everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And it's just the two of us. And uh, yeah, I don't like Florida anymore. Uh, man, I'm telling you, they got to have crap ice cream, dude. It's That's yeah. the only explanation for what happened. It just it sucked to see that game happen the way that it did. Because it felt like you watched, the, you watched the first five minutes and then, okay, I can go to sleep now because I know how this is going down. Would have been better for my for my blood pressure, I think, to just go to sleep after they didn't miss a shot for like the first 10 minutes of the game, it felt like. But yeah. anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. We have some other news to discuss first. So let's let's talk about some happy stuff before we uh, before we get mad all over again at this FAU performance. Good thing about having a new football coach is that almost all news is good news because you don't really have any expectations yeah. because it's a fresh start. And so Sonny Cumbie added some more talent to his roster of Bulldogs this past week. I believe it was the day after we recorded last week. So poor mm-hmm. scheduling on our part. Uh, but Evan, what are some of those names? Because I know we've talked about a couple of them uh, during their recruitment. Yeah, everyone can relax. Tight end John Locke did sign, so I don't have to rescind any of my um, history nerd jokes that I tweeted. Um, You're welcome for those, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wish he hadn't committed. I wish he had just gone somewhere else so I wouldn't have to not understand jokes and have to do Wikipedia research on (laughs) historical figures I should probably already know. Those are the ones that you have to do Wikipedia research about. Yeah, Yeah. why can't we sign a guy named like Abraham Lincoln? Because then I would at least get it. Yeah, so so John Locke, in all seriousness, a six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pound tight end recruit. He's a true freshman. Oh. He's coming in as a true freshman from SD O'Connor High School out of Hilotes, Texas. Yeah, so I mean, it'll be interesting. Like you said, no expectations. I don't know what to think about having a tight end on the roster. What is that supposed to mean? We haven't really run tight ends in our scheme in a quite a while it feels like since i was a freshman i think is the last time we had a true uh tight end on the team so that's that's interesting yeah it feels like a fullback position where you don't really notice it until you don't have one and right. then it's just another thing you can't do so it's nice to hopefully see john Locke. i would make some sort of referential joke to the historical figure if i hadn't already forgotten my wikipedia research but hopefully <laughs> We involve the tight end in the passing game because, I mean, we see in the NFL what happens when you involve tight ends in the passing game. Of course. Yeah. And we also got DeAnthony Gatson. He actually signed the sort of four star, maybe three star. Who knows? Rivals.com did some shady shit after he committed to tech. But regardless, DeAnthony Gatson seems like the real deal at running back. He signed. He'll be in. Um, I'm not sure if he's if he'll be there for spring ball or or for fall camp, but uh, DeAnthony Gatson looks like one of the running backs of the future for the team right now. Yeah, and we have some talent still on the yeah. team as well, but it, he may make some waves. And if he's as good as that four star rating he had at one point in his life <laughs> indicates, he may compete with guys like Dixon that are still on the team. Yeah, for sure, Dixon Garner. Um, I think the I think the starter next season will probably be Henry Brooks, um, just yeah. because of the hype surrounding him coming out of Vanderbilt. Uh, didn't see it much last year, but you know, I, from what I understand of Cumbie's offense, he's gonna he's gonna throw it to the running back. We're gonna have a short passing game again, you know, kind of slinging it around. Um, so I think the to play in this offense, if you're a running back, you better be able to catch the ball and 
So hopefully uh, Gatson can get in there and uh, at least make an impact in four games. If not, you know, if he, hopefully he's good enough to play in all the games. Right. But um, yeah. at worst, Gatson could be a guy to come off the bench, change a pace back late right. in games, fresh For legs. Sure. And if that's your number three or four running back, you feel pretty good about your running back room. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the ground game and the passing game can't get anywhere without offensive line. Uh, Obviously, that's been a a sore spot for us the past few years. But we got a couple of uh, of offensive line recruits, both are junior college transfers. One is named Joe Taasi. I'm not sure how to say his name. We'll learn. He is a six foot three, 300 pound offensive lineman out of the New Mexico Military Institute. He's originally from Melbourne, Australia, though, um, which is really interesting. You don't see a lot of non punter uh, <laughs> slash kicker players coming out of Australia. So I think this guy probably has a really great story and I can't wait to learn more about him. Um, hopefully watching him play. He was named a second team NJCAA, which is National Junior College Athletic Association, I guess, All-American. So he's second team All-American at the junior college level. Um, and was a first-team all-conference left guard uh, for his team there in New Mexico. The other guy, another junior college transfer, Elijah Bowser. So we got some names here. We got John Locke. We got Bowser. He is um, also from Texas, and he went to Navarro uh, Junior College. The final uh, signee this class is a guy named Devontae Mosey. He's a defensive back. Uh, I believe he plays primarily corner, but he's six foot one. Uh, oh. That's size that we don't really see playing corner at our level. So that is exciting. He's a three-star recruit and the number 22 ranked player in Louisiana. And this past season out of Jonesboro Hodge, which I believe is a, yeah, it's a two a school. So a pretty small high school. He led his team to a district championship this past season and had six interceptions and four of those were returned for touchdown. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, yeah. So that's, I wonder if that's a good translatable skill to returning kicks or punts. If we're able to turn those interceptions into pick sixes. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And again, I think, I think his size is probably the biggest, the biggest asset to us at our level. Like you got to think Amik is one of the best, you know, cornerbacks we've ever had possibly. And he's five, nine, right? Like imagine right if he was six, one, he probably would have been at like Georgia or Alabama or Ohio state or somewhere like that, you know, not, yeah. uh, not Louisiana tech. So, so yeah, just to round out this talk of our recruiting class currently, uh, two, four, seven or 24, seven sports, um, which does recruiting rankings, um, has us ranked as the fifth best class in conference USA with a average ranking of 83.93, which that 83.93 would actually give us the second best class, but we only signed 13 players. Um, of course, this isn't including the transfer portal guys that we have coming in. There's some weird rules about that, but you know, some of these transfers have already been announced, like the wide receiver from LSU, the quarterback from TCU and, um, and Texas tech, like, pretty good for a first time coach that just got the job what 3 months ago not even 3 months ago 2 yeah. 2 months and a week or something like that like it's pretty crazy yeah i was actually looking through the rivals recruiting rankings just because that was easier for me to find while you were looking up the 24/7 ones and they have tech as ranked 3rd in the conference wow uh, in terms of this incoming class and looking back at past years they have not been as high so 
recruiting is a crapshoot. I really don't give too much credence to stars or recruiting rankings or right. anything else like that because you really never know. Uh, but it's a good thing when a coach comes in and is able to put together a class like this one is looking like it will be. So props to Sunny Sunny Combi and company for putting that all together in such a short time frame. Unfortunately, in basketball, the Bulldogs were not able to pull it together against FAU. and almost weren't against FIU either. And yeah, yeah. this Florida trip did not start off on the best of legs. Uh, Yeah, definitely not. Not as fun watching us play these owls as it was the last time we played any owls. So, uh, you know. Yeah, instead of their coach yelling who, like the Rice coach did, I kept yelling what at the television screen. Yeah. Yeah, this was uh, just, I mean, can can we, like, pay someone to make their rim smaller or something? I, I don't know. This was insane how well they shot in the first half. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it was a rim size issue. Then in the second half, we yeah. had the same advantage, but that doesn't appear to be what happened. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this one with a 90-second recap. This was yet another disastrous start for the Bulldogs as an early 11-0 run by FAU makes it 14-3 early, and that's before we even hit the first media timeout. But the Owls weren't done running, and a 13-2 run three minutes later turns their 11-point lead to 18. It's now 33-15 FAU, and we're only a quarter of the way through this game. Luckily, FAU cools off a bit before halftime, but the Dogs never really get it going. And at intermission, it's 44 to 30 Owls, and Tech is 3 of 12 from three-point land. FAU starts the second half pretty cold, and the Bulldogs start to take advantage of it, nearly cutting the 14 deficit in half to eight with 10 minutes left. But that progress stops as Tech takes nearly five minutes to score another point after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, though, FAU also gets cold, but Tech is running out of time to make this a game. Tech briefly gets the deficit down to single digits, but a bad call on a foul, on a three-pointer against Archibald, and then a frustration lob of the ball by Lofton results in a technical, and FAU gets five free throws based off one bad call. Only three of those are made, so ball don't lie or whatever, but now it's back to a 12-point out lead with 421 left. Junior fouls out on another weak call with two minutes left, and Tech is still down 11. Uh, this one kind of feels over, but Conkle doesn't give up. Keeps going for those quick fouls and stopping the clock. But FAU, which is an average shooting team at best from the free throw line, makes 13 of the last 14 free throws they attempted in that last 127 seconds. And Tech is not able to force a comeback, and they fall in Boca 83-73. Yeah, I mean, I ha- I I told you guys that like I just I hadn't been like this just mad watching a game. You know, like we lost to UAB, we lost to North Texas, but those games felt like back and forth, like like, you know, really, really good teams going head to head and like, you know, punching each other back and forth. This game was just so fucking frustrating. (laughs) They could not miss. They could not miss. And it was just like, what are we supposed to do? Like we're playing relatively okay defense, you know, not our best work for sure. But like in the first half, you've got, you know, by by the first media timeout, it's 14 to five and had they even missed a shot i don't even think they'd missed a shot in that first oh they missed one look at that missed jumper by everett winchester but i mean that's not a real guy yeah right everett winchester (laughs) yeah i mean it was just it was just mind-boggling how they could not miss a shot yeah and you think oh they have to call off at some point and they did but tech at their best wasn't as good as we've seen tech even the past couple of weeks when 
the team hasn't been at its best. There were times where Tech had an opportunity to get make this a game and pull uh, Western Kentucky and come back from a, that was a 17-point lead. This one was a little bit more, but it's possible. We've seen Tech do this kind of thing, but whenever they got any sort of momentum, it was just gone, and the fouls didn't help. Archibald and Lofton both end up fouling out of this game, and Kobe ends with realize, four. I didn't even realize Archibald fouled out. Yeah, I believe that was during when they were trying to get them to the free throw line to, right, at course. the end of the game. Yeah one of those desperation fouls, but tech had to play differently because of the foul situation. And some that self-inflicted junior did not need to throw the ball up to hit the rafters mm-hmm. in frustration, but there were some just question mark calls throughout this game. And yeah, tech allowed FAU to jump to that incredible lead very early in the game where officiating shouldn't matter, but it just sucks to see a comeback attempt fall flat because Everything has to go right, and one of the things that can't go wrong is occasional poor officiating, and I think that's a little bit of what happened in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly hard to disagree with that because, like, the call that Lofton fouled out on was basically nothing. I mean, like, if you scrutinize any foul, you can probably say, like, oh, yeah, I see what they're seeing there. And so, like, to be completely fair, like, yeah, there's contact, but okay, so Kobe Williams had the number one sports center top play on Thursday night because he fucking jammed on the seven foot one center that we mentioned last week, Vladislav Golden. He, he like dunked over him. Right. And as he's dunking, Vladislav Golden goes to block him and literally his elbow hit Kobe in the face. Like it could have, it wasn't a flagrant foul. Cause it like, it was during the course of play, but like his elbow made contact with Kobe's head and Kobe's head, like when you watch it live, like kind of whips back and it kind of looks scary for a second. You watch it in slow motion and it's like, OK, like part of it is just Kobe has a lot of hair. Right. And so his hair flew back <laughs> as he was making motion. But there was definitive contact with the face. That's like while a shot is happening, while a dunk is happening and they don't call it on that end of the floor. By that point, the game's already pretty much over. But that's just an illustration of like the types of fouls that were getting called on one end of the floor and not on the other. Tech had 21 fouls called on them in FAU 16. Now we were fouling on purpose at the end of the game. So it's probably probably about five of those were, were that, Mm -hmm. but FAU doesn't have a player with more than three fouls called against them. Right. And, and like you said, I mean, look like junior can't do that kind of stuff because he already kind of has a target on his back. Like we've seen him get teed up before for like literally just putting his hands up in the air. So yeah. like it was absolutely the right call to to call a technical on him for doing that, but the foul that they called on Archibald, which caused that, was very weak, right? I mean, it was like yeah. a, it was like a, you know, the guy takes a three and falls down because Archibald is kind of near him. So I don't know. Like, look, we lost this game by what ten points. So it's yeah. kind of probably sounds like sour grapes, but it's just frustrating, especially when it feels like officiating kind of hampered any sense of a comeback when FAU was already shooting 52% for this game and 44% from three. Like they didn't need any help. They probably still would have won this game 78% from the line, right? Like they're out shooting all of their season marks. This is probably one of their best shooting games of the season. And they just, they didn't need any additional help. And that includes help from us making boneheaded plays, like, you know, throwing the ball up into the rafters. But yeah, this this felt and it also credit to FAU for like 
you know, they had some lulls, but when they had a when they had a lull, they would, you know, either not allow Tech to run their offense efficiently or like right when Tech starts making a run and like, okay, now we're not, you know, we're down 10, we're down eight. At one point, we're down six. FAU immediately goes down and nails a three, right? Just immediately. And so they definitely shot the ball lights out and should have won this game just based on those statistics out shooting us, you know, 52% to 43.5%, which isn't even bad. Like, that's a good shooting percentage for us, 43.5, right? Like, that's enough to win almost any game with our defense, but the defense just wasn't able to slow this team down, and that's ultimately what cost us. So officiating contributed, but, like, also FAU shot 52%. So, yeah, which is both on them and on us for, right. at times, not playing the best defense. Yeah, so the Bulldogs are now 2-3 and three all-time in Boca Raton against the Owls, but still hold the all-time series 8-3. to three. So all three losses hmm. were in Florida against the Owls. Just shows how good another, we are at home. <laughs> yeah, another team that Tech hasn't done historically well at on the road is FIU. Uh, the Bulldogs picked up their first victory over the Panthers in Miami since 2000, ending a four-game losing streak inside <laughs> the arena with the ocean painted on the floor. Oh, God, it's hideous. I hate it so much. I can't stand it. <laughs> it is called uh, the Ocean Bank Convocation Center. So I guess if you're going to paint an ocean on I, any basketball court, it will be the Ocean Bank Center. That's that's fair, I guess. Yeah. Let's go jump into this one because I feel like this one was a little bit more interesting of a game. Yeah. Even though a lot of times we end up talking more about Tech's losses than their wins. The smart money on this game uh, was betting on Tech allowing another early run. Yeah. But Tech actually holds a 13-8 lead with 15 minutes left. So... Not this time. Is that allowed? Can we do that? <laughs> Apparently. But then either a whole lot of bad offense or good defense takes over. And that 13 to 8 score holds for over five minutes as neither team was able to buy a bucket. Jesus. Finally, a Keystone Willis J breaks the scoring drought. And by halftime, it's 30 to 25 Bulldogs. Three minutes into the second half, Keystone Willis hits a three to give Tech their first 10 point lead of the game. But FIU hits two of three three pointers over their next three possessions. And that one three-pointer miss turns into a second-chance layup, by the way. Add in an Eric Lovett dunk in on their fourth trip, and now it's a two-point game with the dogs barely clinging on to that lead. Tech builds that lead back up to six, but then another three cuts that lead in half. There's 12 minutes left, but that's still a lot of time for three-pointers. Uh, David Green hits a three-pointer for Tech, finally, with 11 left. Eric Lovett and IU answer with 10 left with another three-pointer. Now it's back to a three-point game. David Green again with a three-pointer at nine minutes, a six-point game. Love it again with a three-pointer with eight and a half left. And just back and forth down the court, three-pointers are falling everywhere. Lofton comes in the game here, so Tech abandons those threes to just let Kenny eat, and he does it pretty effectively. But FIU hits three-pointers on the next two possessions as well, and the Tech lead is now only one with seven left. The threes finally stop falling for FIU. They miss a couple, and Tech is able to expand their lead to nine with five and a half left, and that pretty much holds until two minutes left. When back-to-back turnovers by Tech result in easy points for FIU, and suddenly it's a one-possession game again. The Bulldogs also start struggling a little bit with the foul shooting down the stretch, with Kobe, Christian, and Lofton each missing at least one free throw. Meanwhile, FIU is perfect from the stripe in the final couple minutes. Uh, This means that FIU is able to get within one point with 45 seconds left, but a steal by Christian with 29 seconds left and Tech hitting three of their four final foul shots ends up being the difference in this one as Tech limps out of Miami with an 86-82 to 82 victory. Yeah, <laughs> you want to talk about 
hot shooting both teams in this game in the second half. My God, just shot yeah. lights out. Uh, tech sixty three percent from the field, sixty two point. Hold on, I gotta go. I gotta go to uh, the tenth place to let you know how close this shooting was. Sixty two point nine six for Tech. 62.86 for FIU in the second half. So just crazy. 56 points for Tech, 57 points for FIU in the second half. Not exactly what you wanted to see after giving up 83 offensive points to FAU. You don't want to come out and, and see that defense, you know, kind of struggle again. But at least this time we're in the win column, right? Yeah, I was looking back at this because I was about to compare FIU shooting from three, especially in this game compared to their season average. They made 14 of 33 pointers. That's 47% from three in this game. I'm looking at the notes we had from last week. And one of the things I mentioned was the fact that they were a below average division one school from three. Well, not anymore. They shot so well against tech and I guess probably against Southern Miss as well, that they now slightly above average college (laughs) basketball from the three point line. Wow. Yeah. I I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Against Southern Miss, they were 48% from three. And then they also played last night, Monday, uh, and in that game, they were only 30%. So I guess that dragged them down a little bit. So they could have been ranked even higher if we had recorded this Sunday or Monday night. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, Other things of note here, Kenneth Lofton Jr. with another double-double, 21 and 13. Did he have one against FAU too? Yes. I believe he now has, he didn't break his streak, I think is the most important part. Yeah, 16 and 14 against FAU. So. And that's with fouling out uh, down the stretch. So um, <laughs> it's his fifth straight double double. Also had against FIU seven yep. assists, seven. Yep, three I mean, assists shy of a triple double. <laughs> Jesus, my God! So and I bet I bet he dished out three more passes perfectly to wide open people who just missed shots. <laughs> I bet that happened in the first half when we weren't, you know, when we shot thirty four percent, not sixty three percent. But um, I wonder if that uh, technical foul at FAU counted as an assist as he threw it up to the Raptors. But I guess the Raptors <laughs> dropped it, so I guess not. It's a turnover. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> this game was a little more fun to watch. Kind of annoying at the end because this is not a team that Tech should have struggled against. Yeah. And FIU, even still, even after their three-point shooting fest these last couple games, still ranked 247th in Ken Palm. That's that's not good for tech. Yeah. We still have a few more games before the conference tournament to turn things around and, and get hot because that's what really matters. But I would have felt better about this team going to the UAB game than I do right now because tech, yeah, tech is one against Rice and FIU, even if you ignore those three losses, but it's it's been a struggle sometimes. Yeah, I mean I mean we still have to play UAB and North Texas on the road. So like it's yeah. it's not looking great i mean at this point though uh really oh god why is this sideways i'm trying to look at the uh (laughs) bracket here why do they not have the seeds on the bracket (laughs) damn it yeah so the top two seeds from the east and west both get basically a double buy that goes straight to the quarterfinals uh four teams get a single buy two from the east two from the west as well and then uh teams number six and seven on each side play in a preliminary round. So if Tech is ranked sixth or seventh in the West, then they play in the opening round, the preliminary round. If they're th- if they're third, fourth, or fifth, they play. They get a single buy 
and go to the first round. And if they're first or second, they get two buys and go to the quarterfinals. Okay. Yeah, we we are aiming for a number two seed at worst. Is there a seed that gets us on the eastern side of the bracket and so that we wouldn't have no. to face North Texas or UAB? Is, is that yeah, so? Because that would be good. So if we're looking at one, two, and three, the one and three seeds are on the same side of the bracket from the west. So number two would actually be a better place to be because yeah. Tech would only have to play either North Texas or UAB, assuming that's one and three, not both. Right. So, yeah, I would much, yeah, actually, I would be a lot happier being in the two seed. Yeah, so currently, North Texas is in first in the division. They're 10-1 and one overall um, in conference play. UAB number two at 8-2. and two. Tech is 8-3 and three, right in front of UTEP, who's 7-4. and four. So, uh, UTEP really been playing good basketball lately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're right in the, in the running, even still for that number one seed, because we still get to play the two teams who are ahead of us. So it's very possible that we could, if we knock off the two best teams in our conference on the road, <laughs> you know, um, we could end up with that one seed anyway. But again, I think the two seed might be the place to be. <laughs> yeah. I, and that's still a stretch even now. Right? Yeah. North Texas or UAB have to lose a couple games, hopefully to us, to make that a possibility. But it's a possibility. And that's what I will be aiming for. We're right. number two. We're number two. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. To get the computer polls real quick, they don't really matter anymore for us. But in terms of being able to compare it to some of the teams that will play in the future, they kind of help. Uh, Massey ranks tech 104th right now, down three slots from 101st a week ago. Ken Palm, we were 83rd. We are now 94th. Yeah, we were 95th when when you wrote the notes and when I logged on to Ken Palm like 15 minutes ago. But now we're 94th. So somebody else okay. must have lost. <laughs> So who knows what will be by the time you're listening to this first, no second, right? We're shooting for second yes. uh, net. Uh, we are 97th in the net rankings down from 88th. So yeah, seems fair. Uh, only yeah, only one right. path to the NCAAs at this point. And that was probably going to be the case, no matter how highly ranked we were in all of these anyway. So just yeah. figure out how to win in the conference tournament and we're in. That's, yeah. that's the way it's going to be. And tech will have a chance to hopefully, start that hot streak that you'd hope they would carry into that tournament when they travel to Charlotte, North Carolina, this Thursday, February 10th at 6 p.m. Central at the Dale F. Halton Arena or streaming on Stadium. What can you tell me about this Charlotte team, Evan? Yeah, Charlotte is currently sitting at third in the East, so that's where we're sitting in the West, but the East, not quite as strong. Charlotte is 13-9 and nine overall, and they are 6-4 and four in conference. They're ranked 200th in Ken Palm, um, so above where FAU and FIU were, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, somewhere around there, I think. Yeah, So, and this game's on the road as well, so basically, who knows? Um, their best win on the season is against Monmouth in the season opener. They're, they're ranked 117th in Ken Palm. Uh, they beat them at home by two to open the season back in November. Their worst loss is to... Uh, number 213, Old Dominion on the road, but they really, really lost. They lost by 16 in that game. Oof. Yeah, so um, it's been a little bit of a, a mixed bag for Charlotte. I know they consider themselves to be more of a basketball school. Um, so, yeah, so this will be really interesting to see, you know, a team that's kind of struggled, but they're coming off of a bigger victory. They beat FIU last night, Monday, 81-68 to on the road. Uh which is better than we did against them. So 
Yeah. Uh, you never know. That does also mean that they'll have a little less rest than the Bulldogs will. Mm-hmm. And the Tech also won't need to play a game on Saturday. Charlotte yeah. might. They play on Sunday. Sunday, but still, they have another game that week to be needing rest yeah. for players and things like that. That Tech does not have that concern. But yeah, you said that Charlotte ranks 200th in Ken Palm, but that's not because of their offense. They are, and I know we keep saying numbers oh, that sound a lot like oh, these no. throughout the year. Please, 37% from three. No. 53% from two and 77% from the foul stripe. Each of those is the top 75 in college basketball. Oh. And their free throw percentage is 23rd best oh. in the Division One level. Their effective field goal percentage is 37th best in the country. Why does this keep happening? <laughs> Why are so many teams so good at offense in our conference? Normally it's defense that we're good at. Yeah. What is happening here? Usually we're all good at defense because we're so bad at offense that defenses just <laughs> look good. Yeah, one place that the 49ers struggle, though, on the offensive side is getting those offensive rebounds. They're the 25th worst in the nation at creating second chances for that high prolific offense. Uh, that means more possessions that the defense has to defend. And that's not exactly a strong point for Charlotte. They're in the bottom 100 in three-point shooting defense, two-point shooting defense, and getting steals. Uh, surprisingly, they can rebound well on the defensive boards in contrast to the offensive boards. Uh, that's pretty bad news for a tech team that has struggled creating second chances all year. And their offensive rebounding percentage for tech at least is below the NCAA average. So I don't even really know what to think right now. Another team that's shooting the ball well. So I'm scared of that. Let's zoom in a little bit. Evan, do you have a player to watch on this Charlotte team? Yeah, I'm going to go with Austin Butler. Um, He, he splits time between uh, being a shooting forward and a power forward. Uh, but he ends up playing about 80% of their minutes and he's got the, um, the highest effective field goal percentage on the team. He ranks 220th in the nation in that category. He shoots about 58% from two and also adds about 36% from three. Um, he takes a lot more two pointers than three pointers, but, um, he's going to be a pretty big scoring threat for them. Yeah. So I, I mean, just on a team that shoots the basketball really well and, and we've seen, you know, what what can happen against Tech when that that happens. So I hope that they come out cold and, you know, we're not in the same situation we were last Thursday night. Yeah, uh, the guy I picked is Jameer Young. He plays the third most minutes out of anyone in Conference USA. And the two guys that outrank him, Western Kentucky's Dave, Davion McKnight and Marshall's Andrew Taylor. Uh, those two guys don't take anywhere near as many shots as Young does. Uh, So Young is pretty much always on the court and then pretty much always shooting the ball. Uh, He's a point guard, so he'll probably be covered by Kobe Williams for most of the night. And Williams has been our defensive specialist, but he's had some pretty bad defensive games lately, or at least it feels like it has. Defensive stats kind of suck when it comes to determining how good a player is actually performing. But if that trend continues and Kobe's not able to find his groove, Young could haunt us on Thursday night. So Jameer Young is my player to watch. Yeah, and I mean, we're coming off of a week where Brian Greenlee, the the point guard for FAU, was somebody that we were watching out for. And Brian G- Greenlee had 19 points, shot five for seven from the field. So, I mean, we're definitely coming off of a of some game tape that, that uh, Jameer Young's going to be watching. And, I mean, this guy, I believe he's been a first-team all-conference player in the past few years. Yeah, he was first-team all-conference in 2021, third-team in 2020. Uh, and he was the freshman of the year in 2020. 
Uh, so this guy's really good. He's only, uh, I guess this would be his sophomore season um, because of the free COVID year last year. So this is a pretty scary player here, especially when you're talking about, you know, a tech team that just can't seem to slow down hot shooting teams. Um, so Jameer Young's really the player to watch. Everything runs through him. I mean, since since we've only got the two of us here, do you want to call out maybe they're big since we always seem to talk about bigs? What, what, what do we have going on there? I think that's fair. Ali Khalifa is the guy that usually plays at the five for Charlotte. Six foot 11, 230 pound freshman. So got some young blood that will try to be guarding our young guy. I, I guess he's still young. It doesn't feel like he is anymore. Right. In junior Lofton. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest concern from him is he's also seems like a guy who's able to dish the ball out for scoring opportunities. His assist rate is in the top 100 in college football, college football. That would be incredible wow. if you yeah. recorded that many assists while playing a game that doesn't have them as a stat. Uh, but he also blocks quite a few shots. Uh, 3.9% of the shots that are taken while he's on the court are blocked by him, which sounds actually a bit higher than it really is. Uh, that's still a good number to have. He's still in the top 300 in college basketball. But I would think if 4% of the shots that are taken are blocked by this guy, that seems like a lot. But either way, uh, Khalifa is a guy that will have his hands full with Junior on Thursday night. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'll be interesting to uh, to see their matchup as usual, right? We yeah. we like to we like to see um, some some Lofton on opposing teams' big crime, right? Like that's that's our favorite thing. So, man, going into like predicting this game, I don't know what to think after after the last couple weeks, man. Yeah, the computer polls are a little less sure too. I think. Ken Palm gives Tech a 63% chance to win this game, 75 to 71, so a four-point victory for the Bulldogs. Massey has it a two-point victory for Tech, a 57% chance to win, 72 to 70. Final score predicted. Wow. I'm with I'm with you, Evan. I I think that Tech is the better team here, but momentum kind of says otherwise when it comes to who may win this game. Yeah, and I mean, Charlotte, they've been very streaky, right? They they've in conference play. They have not won or lost more than two games in a row. In fact, they have only won or lost two games in a row. So they they have a two-game win streak, a two-game losing streak, two-game win streak, two-game losing streak, two-game win streak, and now they play Tech. So following the trend, their next two games against Tech and MTSU will be losses. And Ken Palm agrees with that assessment as well. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Tech. Uh, I think we're going to have to score because we saw last (laughs) week that you know just trying to rely on our on our good defense which i do think we still have good defense right i mean i hope we do i mean we're ranking second overall in defensive efficiency in conference usa which does not seem possible with how teams have been scoring on us the past couple weeks right i mean fiu and fau averaged 82 and a half points against us and those teams aren't even that good so, I mean, chalk that up to being on the road and a long trip and yada yada. But like, we're also going to the Eastern time zone, you know, just as far away for the, for this game. So and north of it, too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think tech has it in them to win. Certainly, we we did the same thing to FIU that I think we'll need to win this game. But I think if we win, it's going to have to be something like 85 to 80 somewhere in there. So I'm going to go ahead and predict that. I think Junior has a really good game, bounces back from, you know, fouling out on Thursday night 
uh, bounces back from two double doubles in two straight games. I mean, what am I talking about? He'll get that triple double, man. He's going to get it. I yeah. promise. He's not getting a triple double, getting a quadruple double. Ooh, has that ever happened? I'd probably. That, that's probably a bit much. Lofton doesn't have more than four steals in a single game so far this year. I mean, he's, the assists have been up there. He's had yeah. a few where, like this game, he had seven, he had six against FAU. So yeah, I guess, I guess maybe not. Maybe he won't get that quadruple double. I'm just saying this so he proves me wrong. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it comes down to Lofton in this game. I think it comes down to just the supporting cast around him. If David Green has a good night like he did against FAU, I think that helps a lot with him coming off the bench. Um, Xavier Christian has to prove his starting spot still. That's becoming more and more of a concern for me. I I have Tech winning this game, I think, by three or four. I think it's another close game. I see this going very similarly to the FIU game. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, the Texters, though, had a much better week. So far in conference play, every time the Bulldogs lost, the Texters won the game against the same opponent on the same night. And that remained true this week as the Texters beat FAU, but then also <laughs> did some niceties and also won at home against FIU. What can you tell me about these games? Yeah, I mean, um, you also forgot to mention that they played a third game, I guess a makeup game against uh, UTEP on Monday night and also won that game. So 3-0 and for the Texters this week. Uh, which none of us saw coming because I don't think any of us knew about this makeup game. Um, yeah, I mean, really, all three games are the Kiana Walker show. Surprise, surprise. She had 19 points against FAU, 22 points against FIU and a huge victory, 81 to 62. And then 17 points to beat UTEP by three. Um, all of those games were at home at the TAC. But, I mean, really, you're seeing some other players come in clutch here down the stretch. Some players that maybe we haven't seen a lot from this year uh, This year so far. I know Sylvia Nativi I called out a few weeks ago for having a good performance. Um, in that first game against FAU, she didn't score a lot of points, just four points in 38 minutes. So, sounds like a bad game, right? Uh, yeah. Not so fast. 11 <laughs> rebounds, seven assists in that game oh. uh, to go along with one steal in those four points. Um, and we didn't need a lot of scoring from her because we won that game 64 to 49. And then, you know, to to call out some other good performances here, um, Amaya Brannon, a freshman um, this season, had 17 points off the bench in that game and also eight rebounds uh, led the team in, in rebounds and was outscored only by Walker um, who pretty much just gets the scoring title every game. <laughs> it's it's not much <laughs> of a competition. Um, and that was a huge victory, 81 to 62 over FIU. And then finally in that last game, uh, Anilar Roberson, 12.7 rebounds uh, to Matt or to, you know, not match, but you know what I mean? Get close to Keanu Walker, 17 points. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what the conference standings are, but Walker is averaging 17.6 points per game. And I got to figure that's, that's gotta be pretty close to the top, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'd really, the reason why I'm ashamed to not have remembered the extra game this week that was played on Monday night against, was it UTSA? Was that UTEP? UTEP. So sorry. Uh, <laughs> it was, you. Yeah. Uh, was the graphic that got made because of that game. Oh, yeah. Because because of that win against UTEP, the Lady Texters have now won 500 games inside the Thomas Assembly Center 
And the graphic that went along with that tweet announcing that with the tack is one of the zeros in 500 is is a work of art. Yeah, that was that was cool. I I uh, appreciated that. And I feel like also worth shouting out that one of my favorite Twitter accounts and, and Twitter people um, at Carter Caramel, he's he has he announced that he was leaving his job with the Louisiana Tech media team. Um, and then a couple of days later, he, he put out a press release saying that he had joined the LaTeX sports media team. So I believe he's now like the assistant AD of uh, media or something or like broadcast media or something like that. So uh, I don't know if he listens to our show, but congrats to him. Uh, he's also the guy that made that Leon Barmore documentary um, that I still need to watch. I haven't watched that yet. Uh, yeah, it seems like everything that I've seen from him has been great. So I'll, yeah. I'm not even sure if he's the one that did this graphic, but I'll go ahead and give him credit for it. Yeah, the one thing about this tweet, though, is it's the Light Texter's Twitter account tweeted with hashtag tack magic, Ooh, which that's good. I, I hadn't heard before. It is. I, I feel like there's a better way to combine it, like tactic or something like oh, magic. Oh, no. oh, no. That sounds Ma- like tragic. Don't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, historically speaking. <laughs> hey, we won a lot of histor- games. Come on. <laughs> um, I, actually, yeah. T- the Bulldog season at home in conference play has been tactic. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Are you saying tragic or magic? I don't know. A little bit of both. both? <laughs> anyway, uh, that's enough about Twitter. Let's talk about the tweet of the week. Uh uh, yeah, this week's tweet of the week goes to at context free CBB, which I just realized that's what their that's what their handle is. That's great because I <laughs> yeah. think the other ones are just no context CFB or whatever. Um, anyway, they tweeted out just a picture without context of the cheerleaders running at a North Texas basketball game. But instead of being in UNT order like they intended, they are in uh north university of texas order so it just says nut on the flags (laughs) and it's very funny so uh that one's tweet of the week uh this week yeah free advertising for planters (laughs) that about wraps it up for this episode of the go tech please don't die podcast as always you can follow us on twitter at g-o-t-e-c-h-p-l-s-d-n-t-d-i-e or head to our blog where like i mentioned earlier i have a post up um i think i have two up in the past couple of weeks but there's also the shop on the website, gtpdd.dog slash shop, where you can get this month's shirt of the month, which is a Lady of the Mist shirt mm. uh, with art designed by Marco Grant. Cool shirt. That, yeah, that I am I am a fan of. And I'm not just saying that because I put it together using someone else's art. Uh, but yeah, so great shirt. Get it while it's still February because February is the shortest month. So you have less time than usual to buy the shirt. Also, with baseball season starting next week, the baseball contest stuff will start going up pretty soon, and all that information will be out on Twitter in the next few days. So I'm saying that because I don't have it all together now to even announce it, but uh, keep your eye out for that. And yeah, I think that about does it. But yeah, until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. That's not here, and go tech. Please don't die. Please. to mention this but can i just like put the fiu band on blast for chanting kenny's tired like what does that even mean yeah look sometimes you shoot your shot and it doesn't work but like (laughs) like tech during most of that game
well, <laughs> this was the FIU game, but I-, I was just like, he's not. He scored 21 points and had 14 rebounds or whatever. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, anyway, yeah, um, I-, I don't get it. Yeah, they tried, I guess, you know, a D for effort. We'll give them. 